I mean, you may have been in an airplane. Any of you been in an airplane? You sort of got a little bit. If you're friends with Elon Musk, you may be able to get even higher if you get in a rocket one day. Jesus had no problem ascending, not only through the trees, he never got tangled. He ascended right through above all uh, creation itself. He is the highest of highs. He has no drama ruling everything. In his resurrected state, Jesus is unhindered by anything upon the earth. He has ascended through all the heavens. Wouldn't that be good? I can't fly a cut. I certainly couldn't ascend myself. Jesus, as Mark described, is the resurrected Jesus who is not limited in any way. He is the most remarkable thing in the whole universe. Jesus is above everything. He's above the skies. He's above the stars and cosmos. He is above the universe. He is above all created things. And he sits upon a throne of grace. What Jesus has done is more certain, more real, more eternal than anything else going on on the earth. The ministry of Jesus and what he has done is more real than anything in your life. He is ultimate reality. He ascends above it. He holds the highest place. Jesus is above all and his ways are best. This is awesome news, but it sounds a little bit scary. Um, if he is this great king, which he is, the king of kings and the lord of lords, he holds the highest place. It seems a bit scary to approach him. Have you, anyone in this room, ever been sent to the headmaster's office? <laughs> not, only 3%, only I find that not to be true. Ezekiel, thanks for your confession. <laughs> Have you ever, it does feel like you're ascending, I'll, I'll admit that, the headmaster's office for some reason, not that I've been there, but it's always, <laughs> it always seems to be at the top, the highest place. If the person who runs the school is scary, what might the person who runs the universe be like? It doesn't seem necessarily like good news to be able to go to his office, right? Especially if you've experienced going to the office before. Well, maybe you've been called into the boss's office. Have you ever been called into the boss, boss's office before? No one's confessing. All right, that's okay. It's a little, can be a little scary. If Jesus is in charge of everything, do I really want to go to his office? Any children want to go to the headmaster's office on Monday morning? Yeah, uh, usually not. I hope there's no headmasters here this morning. You know, he is the highest of highs, and yet the Bible says in the verse that was read for us that he is a great high priest, but he's not unable to sympathize with us in our weakness, but who is one in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. If you've ever been scared of approaching someone, there's good news. Jesus is the most approachable person in the universe. He is nothing like your headmaster or even your parents. Sometimes I'm a parent, sometimes dad is grumpy. I'm not saying it happens in my house, but I'm just saying sometimes. Why is he laughing here? Sometimes dad is not approachable because dad's moods go up and down. 
Jesus remains the most approachable person in the universe always. He never changes. And he's able to sympathize with us. This is actually good news. He is open and tender-hearted to embrace the weak and the sinner. He is able to sympathize. That's that big word. (laughs) He is able to deal gently with the wayward. Why? Because he understands our weaknesses. He understands our weaknesses and he welcomes us. In fact, it is our very weakness that causes him to sympathize with us, to understand us. When we pretend that we don't have weakness or no brokenness, we are, in a sense, running from him. We are not drawing near. It is when we come in brokenness that he, we find him gentle, we find him lowly, we find him able to sympathize. He understands. It is with our weakness, not our perfection, that he draws near to us. And so, here's another thing about Jesus, which is true. He already knows everything. (laughs) He already knows all of it. If, carrying on with the headmaster story or the parent's story, if you've been ever called into the the headmaster's office or your parents have asked you questions, have you sometimes told the story in such a way that only the good sides of what you did came out. Anyone ever done that? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know that Jesus already knows everything you did? (laughs) He already knows all of it. So when you tell the story, you get into a fight at school or at home with one of your siblings, you might tell the headmaster or your parents, he punched me. That's what happened. But actually what happened is you punched him six times first, but you forgot to tell us about that. (laughs) And eventually he punched you back. Is that what happened? (laughs) Do you know that Jesus already knows everything? He doesn't need the information. (laughs) Again, he's the great king and he knows everything. Isn't this a little bit scary? Isn't it a little bit... uh, intimidating? Imagine the headmaster already knew all, all everything. Then you couldn't hide anything from him or from your parents. Jesus already knows everything and yet he welcomes us. He already knows all of our weaknesses. Not only does he know them, he understands temptation and he's able to help. He's able to rescue The only reason it's good news that he knows everything is because he welcomes and draws us into him and he's able to rescue. If he wasn't able to rescue, if he was only interested in condemning us, then those first two things would be very scary news indeed. Can you imagine the headmaster who not only knew the rules, but then offered to take your punishment for you? I've never been in a school like that. I've never experienced that from the ones in charge. Jesus is completely different to how we think of regular authorities. We normally come with some sense of fear. Jesus is open. Jesus is welcoming, and he wants to rescue. The sin and the brokenness he sees, he wants to free us from. And that's why we can come 
to him. He is able to sympathize. He is just as open and tender. The deep and perfect love of Jesus means that he will never hold back from us when he sees our weakness and our pain. The opposite, it causes him to want to rescue us. If you think of it like this, if you saw someone you loved fall off into some water and were drowning, and they couldn't swim or they'd broken their leg or something, were drowning, what would you want to do? Dive in. Would you be, oh, they seem in trouble and broken, probably deserve it because they were playing on the pier and they shouldn't have been. I hope they get what they deserve. (laughs) If that is your heart, I I think you need to see someone, (laughs) especially those whom you love. And Jesus loves more beautifully and more perfectly than anyone in the universe. When Jesus sees us in brokenness, his response is to want to rescue us. His response is to want to come towards us. He wants to dive in and pull us out. Which is so encouraging that we can then go, Jesus, I'm drowning. Jesus, I need you. Not only is he able to rescue, but he also understands. Jesus knows what it is like to be thirsty and hungry. He knows what it's like to be misunderstood. Have you ever been misunderstood? Yeah. Have you ever been shamed? Someone just putting shame and burden upon you? Have you ever been sorrowful and wept? Jesus was a man of sorrows. He wept. He knows what it's like. He was acquainted with grief. Have you ever been acquainted with grief? Have you ever not been esteemed? The people didn't esteem you. They looked down upon you. Have you ever been one whom people hide their face from? Felt like people did not want to see you. Have you ever been falsely accused of being a transgressor? Someone said you did it wrong. Have you ever been abandoned? Have you ever been afflicted? Have you ever been in anguish? Have you ever been rejected? Jesus understands to the ultimate degree he went through all of these things even unto the point of death. In fact, it says he was under the sentence of death and abandoned, despised, and rejected to death, pierced, crushed, suffocated, tortured, and even killed. His life was poured out in this way. Jesus knows to the ultimate and end degree all suffering and pain that we could ever go through, all rejection we could ever go through. Jesus was tested in every way and he was touched with the feeling of our infirmity, our weakness. And he did all of that so that he might bear our iniquity and give us his righteousness. Imagine the headmaster that takes your punishment. He says, I know everything you did and I'm going to take the punishment for you. That is the gospel. It is so counterintuitive. Even as a believer, we often want to play the headmaster role.
he bore our iniquities. And he bore them to the ultimate degree. Your struggles, sometimes when we give in to our struggles, we find some kind of relief. You know, Jesus was tempted in every way. If I'm tempted, if I had a lolly here, and I said, who wants this lolly? But it's wrong to take it from me. <laughs> you'd be tempted to grab it, wouldn't you? Yeah. And after two minutes, if you grabbed it, you would eat the lolly and you'd be, oh, great, I got it, and it would be kind of over. Imagine I held that lolly in front of your face for the whole day and told you it was wrong to take it. Would you feel uh, struggle more or less than if you'd just taken it? <laughs> more, okay. Imagine if you had to walk around with the lolly in front of you for your entire life and never touch it. Jesus never gave in, and so the pressure to take what he wanted... Again, Jesus was also the powerful king of the universe, so he could literally take whatever he wanted. <laughs> I don't face that pressure. I, some things I want, I can't get. <laughs> Jesus could take them. He understands the weight of temptation. And that's why it says we can never say we're, we're tempted by, beyond what he knows, beyond what he understands. Jesus understands every temptation you've ever been through in a much deeper way than you've ever been through it. That's why he is able to sympathize. He's able, he understands, not only where you're at, he understands it even to the worst possible way it could ever be experienced. Jesus understands. And yet, he never gave in, it says, yet he was without sin. Do we really believe in the sympathy of Jesus and his understanding? Is it really true that Jesus understands me and knows everything? Well, yes, it is. It is true. That's the doctrine. That's the peace. And we hold on to that. Yes, Jesus does really know that I, everything I've ever been through, he tru I truly believe that. And I know he's been through it in a greater way. And I also know he's able to rescue me. He's able to bring me into his arms, into his embrace, and rescue me from this. Not he only knows about it, but he's able to lead me out of it. That's the doctrine. And we all sort of normally just tick that, yes, I believe it. But what about experiencing that? How do we experience what the doctrine promises? I'm glad you asked such a deep question, children. <laughs> we draw near, the Bible says. We are able to draw near. Let us with confidence draw near. Let us draw near, draw near, come close to, approach him. We have confidence that he is the most gracious and approachable person in the universe, and we are able to. We have great confidence, not only because he's gracious, but I know I can be totally honest, and I can find help. That begins to change something in my heart. That begins to shape my experience of him. As scared as I am, and as much as I may not want to do that, because of my experience with my headmaster, with even my own parents, parents, you have a great responsibility to reflect Christ even to your children. When they approach you, do they find help and grace and mercy? Or are they asked to continue to be perfect without the means and the grace to do it? 
You know that parents, you yourself, need the same grace and mercy, and it's good to let your kids know that. Children, your parents need grace and mercy. Thank you, Zaya. Can I ask you children to give your parents grace and mercy as much as they try to give you it? Draw near. What a privilege to draw near to the throne of grace and to the mercy of God. In the Old Testament, you couldn't do that. It was locked up. The sort of mercy seat was in the temple. You couldn't even get there. This is a wide invitation. Come in with confidence. Come to receive grace and mercy. What a privilege to live in this time where we are invited in to receive grace and mercy. What confidence we have. Confidence to speak freely. Confidence to admit that we need Jesus. And I can tell Jesus things I could never tell you because he understands more deeply than you. And he's way more gracious than any of us have ever, could ever be. We draw near. And the first thing to admit is that we may be far off. We may, have not, we may not be near. We may need to draw near. Oh, this morning, come close to Jesus. Draw near to God, James 4, 8 says. Hebrews 7, 19, draw near to God. Hebrews 10, 21, draw near to God. The constant invitation on the scriptures is to draw near to God as he has already drawn near to you. And when we draw near, what we find is the throne of grace. At this time, there's grace for the needy. At one, one stage, Jesus will come back and will judge all things. Right now, there is a throne of grace where we are welcomed towards and into. We find grace. And this is the amazing thing. Right there is where we actually find help. God's grace wants to free us from our idols and free us from our struggles. But it happens, we experience it by coming to Him, admitting we need Him, and relying upon Him. We receive the help we need. It says that we may find help in our time of need. We receive help from Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, by His Spirit. It is in a time of need that we come to Him. Grace frees us from our sin and idolatry when we come to Him. You know, sometimes it seems a little weird when we receive this help. We come and ask God for things. Have you ever asked God for something or your parents for something, kids, and not received it? Yes? KFC? Okay. That's true. I'm thinking a little higher, but I like that. Sometimes we ask and we feel like we don't receive what we need. And that's a great example, Levi. Sometimes you don't need KFC. Sometimes your parents have some wisdom which you are unaware of. We ask, give me KFC, give me KFC, but your parents say no, because they are much wiser. Jesus is the infinitely wise, but also infinitely kind and gracious ruler of all things. He knows actually what's best for us. Sometimes we ask, and we feel like, man, I really wanted X, but I didn't get it. Usually, the reason we don't get it is because it's something that is an idol that's probably going to do us harm, ultimately. KFC, my love, Levi, will do you harm, ultimately. It will harm you. And that's exactly our response. No, it won't. It won't harm us. God, give me X. God answers with a no, for very good reason. Even when we can't see it, Levi is struggling to see it right now. And he, we're just like him. We struggle to see it. 
God is committed to the process of removing those things which will ultimately hurt us. And so when we come to the throne of grace, we do find grace and mercy. We find great help. But sometimes we complain bitterly about the outcome of our requests. (laughs) And the reason is because we love KFC so much. We love our idols so much. We think this is the good life. This is the good thing for me. When when we come to the throne of grace, we receive what we actually need. We find that Jesus' provision is way better. And can we learn to trust him? Come to the throne of grace. Come and express your need. It doesn't have to be well-worded. And you cannot overstay your welcome at the throne of grace. You cannot stay too long. And Jesus is never in a bad mood. He doesn't have bad moods. He always acts for our good. We might feel he's in a bad mood because we didn't get what we wanted. And we go, oh man, that's disappointing. Jesus is never in such a situation. He is always able to help those who come to him. God hears and answers every cry. Psalm 147 says he even hears the cry of the raven and answers that. Has anyone heard a bird squawking before? Can you, anyone make a bird squawking sound? Yeah. (laughs) They squawk. It's rather annoying, I think. If you've ever been woken up at 4.30 in the morning by a squawking bird, are you, do you feel blessed? God hears even that, and it says he answers it. Animals... (laughs) Those who are living out in the hills are having a lot to say. God hears even the animals, and it says they're an unthinking animal, not created in the image of God. We are his sons and daughters who cry, Abba, Father, by the Spirit of God. How much more do you think he will hear us when we come to him? God hears us. We are his children. And he has, who alone... Think about this. Who alone has the resources to help us? Who has the resources to help us? God alone. The answer is God alone has the resources to help us. He alone does have the grace, the power, the helping, and the enabling to help us in our time of need. He not not has just the list of things we ought to do, In one sense, we already know that. We already know what we ought to do. That's the very reason we're coming to the throne of grace, because we haven't been able to do it. He doesn't just give us a fresh list. He comes with enabling, with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with grace and mercy to help us to walk with Him and to do it. So as we come to Him, we can expect help in our time of need. Do not come with a list of what you can do, more promises, more convictions, more credentials. Come with your weakness and ask him to help. And know that what is needed is already been given and does not need to be seized. What is needed is already been given and it does not need to be grasped. Don't grasp at what you think you need. What is needed is already given. 
and that is the person of Jesus. Because I have Jesus, I have everything I will ever truly need. Let us come to him this morning. I'm going to wrap it up just in a prayer. I wonder, Mark, if it's okay if we can maybe go straight into the song um, before the throne of God above. I wonder if the team maybe just can come up and get ready to play. I'm going to pray, and if we can stand together and worship in this way. This song is a wonderful invitation to come to the very throne of God, as we've heard this morning, to draw near to the very throne of God, to Jesus who is able to sympathize with all of our weakness. I'm going to read this text and pray this prayer, and then I wonder if we can worship in this way, and then Mark will clo- uh, bring us to a close this meeting this morning. Thank you, children, for listening.